for a moment here. We're going to pray together and just ask, uh, ask for the Lord's help this morning. Um, and uh, yeah, let's just, let's just go to the Lord here just for a moment. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come together this morning, Father, we want to, I want to ask for your, your help, Lord. We want to ask for, the, for the, the revealing nature of your Holy Spirit in the lives of, of all of us here this morning. Father, I pray that you would help us all to, um, uh, to gather, to, to, to grasp, Lord God, what it is that you have for us this morning. Uh, that, Father, you, um, you are good and, and your, your plans for us are good. And, and no matter what is going on in our lives, Lord God, you are for us. Sometimes our struggles and the, the suffering we go through, Lord God, sometimes that's uh, deceitful to us. Sometimes it, it seems to shrink um, uh, our view of your goodness, and it tends to shrink the, our view of your power or your ability to work in our lives, Lord God. But we know by faith that that's not true. We know that, Lord God, no matter what, that you are for us, that you declared, even while we were sinners, you declared and you demonstrated your love for us in the most powerful way by sending your Son to die on a cross for us. Even while we were lost, even, though, even while we were far from you, even though there was nothing in us, Lord God, that, that deserved your salvation, you demonstrated your love for us. So, Father, I thank you this morning, no matter where we are this morning, no matter, no matter where each of us is in our lives, Lord God, that your goodness toward us has never been greater. Your goodness toward us has, is still at the peak. It's still at the epic, Lord God. And, and, uh, and Lord, we, just, we thank you for that. We thank you that, uh, uh, that your love and your intentions toward us are good and that your, your power is, is mighty and, and you are totally sovereign over all. Father, I, I thank you for that. Be with us now this morning, I pray in Jesus' great name. Amen. All right, we started about three weeks ago. We were talking about um, uh, battling discouragement and what we, were, what we did do. You know, um, it's one thing to face. You know, the Bible talks all the time. Actually, we're reading in Sunday school class this morning. Um, it goes way back to Genesis, and it doesn't end until Revelation, um, talking about the trial or the testing or the temptation that God's people have gone through, are going through, and will go through. Um, this is a part of God's plan for us. It, it, it just is. This is part of God's plan for us. We're going to spend some time. I think we're going to. I think I'm going to uh, uh, set that up maybe in January or February. We're going to go through the Book of Job together and talk specifically on suffering. But what I'm talking today is, you know, when you go, when you have a trial or you have something that you're going through in your life, some sort of something that's going on in your life that that lasts more than a day. It's more than just a small thing. It's something that's important to you that you have going on in your life that that you just can't seem to get relief from, and it goes on day after day or week after week or year after year or something that you know you're never going to escape from in this life. Something can happen to that trial that changes it in our mind from, from being just something to get over or something that's temporary to where it becomes real discouragement from us, for us. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's those things that just seem to linger on. And, and you know, any of us can maybe face a, a trial or temptation that, we're, that we know is just going to last a few days or a few weeks. But, but what about the ones that go on for years? What about those that just go on and on? And no matter how much time we've spent before the Lord, no matter how many times we've prayed before Him, it just doesn't seem like He's going to move or He's going to change our circumstances. What about that kind of thing? What about that kind of trial, that kind of temptation? Those kind of things really can turn into discouragement. They really can begin to, to put a wet blanket on our faith and make us even question what we even believe anymore, right? That happens to us. Listen, let's be honest. It happens to real believers, and it happens all the time. We see it in, the, we see it in even the Psalms of David where he goes and he'll be praying and he'll be asking in the Psalms, how long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me? How long will I go without seeing your favor? And he just prays and, he's, and he asks even at one point, right, where Jesus is quoted uh, as saying it in the New Testament, he says, why have you forsaken me? 
right? Just this feeling, this, this, this idea that it, it feels like God has distanced himself from me so much that I, I can't even feel, I can't even see his presence anymore because of circumstances I'm in. We talked about it about three weeks ago, but, <clears throat> but discouragement can really disorient us. It can really make us confused about what we think we believe anymore. It, it, it's very disorienting about what we believe at our, about our faith. And the question I have for us this morning is, How do we battle it? How do we face it? We know it's going to happen. We know it comes. We know we face trials. We know we we face testing. And and what do we do to get through it? How do we endure? And so that's what we're here to talk about today. We talked about last time we got together, we talked about how important it is to go to God in the time of suffering. And listen, sometimes when we suffer and sometimes when when we struggle, sometimes when we're discouraged, like Jamie was talking about this morning, it changes our view of God. It changes our perspective of God where we start to think that his love for us, instead of being this big, has shrunk, and now we see his love as only being very small, right? It, it, it also, our, the discouragement or the trial or testing or suffering that we go through also can have an effect on how we view God, that, that somehow this trial is, is huge or this thing we are facing is enormous, and somehow God and his power has gotten very small. We know that's not the case, but it, it seems that way when we're going through that, that discouragement. One of the things um, that we're going to read today and that we talked about about three weeks ago, one of the most important things that you and I can do when we're facing that kind of discouragement is, listen, is to get down on our knees and to worship our great God. Let me tell you, we talked about this, but this is one of the best things you can do. And you may not feel like it. it you may not be motivated to do it. It may be the last thing that's on your mind. But listen, there is something incredible that happens to us, to, to us people when we get down on our knees before the almighty, majestic God of the universe. Though we're facing discouragement, though we're facing trials, though we're facing things that we think are going to overcome us, and we kneel down before the God of the universe, there's something that changes there. There's something that happens when we worship him. It helps change our perspective back. It takes that disorientation that we've been going through, and it gives us a better perspective. It's like, oh, no, wait, I forgot. No, it's God that's huge. It's my problems that are small. No, it's, it's God that's majestic. It's, it's the suffering that I'm going through that's only temporary. God is eternal in all his plans for me are good, and the suffering is only for a moment, and it helps us get things back in proper perspective that we can get back up and face the day. There's something incredibly powerful about worship in times of discouragement, amen? It it helps us realize that, no, it's God that's big, it's God that's huge, and the suffering that I'm going through, if it lasts the rest of my life, is only temporary, amen? Amen. We're going to read that again here in Psalm. We're going to be in Psalm 84. This is one of my favorite passages. I love this. When it comes to discouragement, when it comes to suffering, this is one of my favorite passages uh, because of the, um, because of the uh, oh, what's the word? Oh, my goodness. Uh, because of the uh, illustration that the, 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 that the writer gives here, because of the picture that he paints with the words, I think are so powerful and really helps me remember what to do when I'm going through just times of discouragement or suffering. So listen, in, uh, in Psalm 84, read along with me here as I read this. Either If you have your own Bible with you, you're going to want to mark this um, or read it over my head on the screen. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Let's, let me pause there for just a moment. This is a this is a this is one of the psalms that 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 
that uh, talk about a, a yearning to be in God's presence. And you remember the time that this is written would, be, would have been in the time of the temple, right? So when he's talking about being in the courts of God, what he's talking about is being in the courts of the temple where he can go and dwell there with all the other people, all the other believers here, the Old Testament believers, where he could go and dwell with them and be closer and closer to where God inhabited the temple, where they could be close to the temple of God, where they could be close to the Holy of Holies. And you can see what he's saying here. Listen to the words that he uses here. He talks about how lovely is your dwelling place, here referring to the temple, O Lord Almighty. And listen to what he says to, the, to his body's response. My soul yearns, my, my soul even faints for the courts of the Lord. What he's talking about is he says, Lord, I have a desire, I have a yearning, I, I'm fainting to be in your presence just like what we were talking about, right? No matter what's going on, he's, he has a desire to be in the presence of God. Listen, you and I lack a lot of times a desire to be in the presence of God, don't we? Right? See, see what's great about being on this side of the cross is we don't have to journey to the temple. We don't have to, to leave our homes or leave our home cities and go to meet with God in his temple in a far-off place that we can't actually get to him anyway because, we, because the entrance has been sealed off because of our sin. You and I, on this side of the cross, live on the side of the cross where the veil has been torn, where God ushers us into his presence. He says, come on into the holy holies and you meet with me uh, and you come to me and you can dwell in my, in my presence. I will dwell in your presence. We will be together and you and I have that opportunity every single moment of every single day of the rest of our lives. Amen. Thank God for sending the Lord Jesus Christ that he has torn, the, 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 he has done away with the separation between man and God. And so you and I, when we, dwell, when we yearn for God's presence, all we have to do is pause and be right there in his presence because he, by his Holy Spirit, is right right there with us. Amen? He indwells us. His presence is with us all the time. We don't have to do like the Old Testament saint, like the Old Testament saint and journey across uh, you know, Judea to be able to get there. We don't have to you know, walk in our sandals you know, 20 miles to get to the temple of God. He is right there with you every moment of every day. You yearn for his presence, you're there. You're already there. He's already there. If you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is, by his Holy Spirit, he is indwelling you, and you're right there in his presence. I want to say something real quickly about yearning for, yearning for God. We are missing a lot of times a desire for God. And it could be for a hundred different reasons. Let me give you just a couple. One is we are too busy. You are too busy pursuing so many other things and going so many other directions that you are wiped out, worn out, and exhausted, and you don't have any desire for anything. Yeah. You're that busy, you're too busy. Amen? When, when we're that busy, and boy, our, our, this is, our society right now is all about busyness. I mean, if there's some other way to make something take more time, man, we're going to find it. Right? It, it, no matter what it is, we're going to find some way to make something more, more inefficient so we can, uh, this time of efficiency, right, and all this other stuff, it's actually a gimmick, right? Uh, the more time you spend on that stuff, okay, never mind, I'm not going to go there. Let's press on. You're too busy. The other thing is, is that you've been demotivated because of your discouragement. The other thing is, is that you have no desire to go for God because your discouragement, it just feels like a wet blanket on you and you don't have a desire for anything else because you're so down and you're so discouraged. Listen, that is, the, that is the time 
that we have to go to the Lord. That's the time that we have to go to him so that he can remind us of his goodness. So he can remind us that just because we're suffering financially doesn't mean that we haven't inherited all these incredible blessings through the gospel and through the, through the, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, just because I'm struggling in my relationships doesn't make it any more important or any less important that Jesus Christ died to save you from me some, from my sins and remove guilt from me forever. Those things still matter no matter my circumstances. Amen? I need to go to the Lord to be reminded of those things, though. We need to yearn for him. And listen, this is a, this is a litmus test. <clears throat> we need to be asking ourselves, we need to be checking our own heart. Do I yearn to be in the Lord's presence? I know I should be. I know that when I, I, I know I, I, I want to yearn, I want to desire to be in the Lord's presence, but when I don't, there's something wrong with my heart, and I need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, take Break down my complicated heart. I can't know it. It's deceitful uh, above everything else, right? Isaiah would say, it's deceitful above everything else. I need you to break down my heart. I need you to figure out what's wrong with me. I need, to, I need you to put in a healthy desire for me, for you, because I don't have it. That happens to us as believers, amen? True? Yes, this happens to you as a believer. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. This, will, this happens to you. I don't care how holy you are. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. There are times that our desire for, for God and our yearning from God um, ebbs and flows. And so listen, we need to be always checking our heart and always asking the Lord, Lord, what is my desire for you? I know I should desire to be in your presence, but I don't. What's going on, Lord? Read my heart. Uh, find it. Figure out, Lord, what is it that I don't want to be in your presence? And go to the Lord and ask for his help with that. Okay. Uh, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And listen to what he's going to say. Even the sparrow has, ha- has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Let me pause there for just a second. There's a lot of confusion about what this verse means. It seems to me that what he's saying is that as he ventures towards the temple, he sees a bird who's nested somewhere in the walls of the courts of the temple or somewhere where a bird is actually physically near the temple of God and he's, ner- and he's jealous for, uh, for how close that bird can be in, in proximity to the Lord than what he can be. And, that, and, that, that, and that, that bird lives there. And he says, ah, if I could be like that bird who's found a nest and a home near God. There's another couple of uh, possibilities there, but that's where I'm going to leave it today. Uh, verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Let's not overlook that. I know we read the term blessed and you automatically, your mind turns off, right? Because we've, we read the, the word blessed a lot in the scriptures. But let me remind you what this is. Blessed or happy or joyous are those who dwell in the house of the Lord. Let me put it another way. People are happy when they're in the presence of their God. People are blessed. People are joyous when they're in the presence of God. Listen, is your life lacking joy? How much time are you spending dwelling in the presence of God? There's a direct correlation. You're blessed if you're in his house. You're blessed if you're in his presence. And if you're not, you're, you're, you're forfeiting the joy that could be yours. Amen? Amen. There's joy in the presence of God. There's blessedness in his joy or in his presence. Okay, now here we go in verse, uh, read with me beginning in verse 5. Is my uh, mic okay? Is this right? Okay. Um, and then beginning in verse 5. So let's read verses now. We're going to read verses 5, uh, I think, through 7 here. Th- this is the, so this is the part of the, ver- the verses that I really love. Blessed, here it is, or happy, or contented in the Lord. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. 
who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Okay, let me pause there and I'm gonna, I'll explain what this means. Blessed are those whose strength is, is in you. <clears throat> The idea here is, you, you read this uh, term as they pass through the valley of Baca. That, that term Baca in Hebrew means weeping, okay? A term, that term Baca means weeping. So listen what it says. Blessed are those who pass through the valley of weeping. It's, it could also be the valley of sorrow. Who pass through the valley of sorrow. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it. They go from strength to, to strength. Uh, till each appears before God in Zion. What the idea here is, what, the, what is in view here is what I was talking about in the beginning. When these people had to leave whatever city they lived in and actually had to travel to Jerusalem, they had to travel to the temple. And what he's talking about is, is he's using figurative language here. And as those people make their pilgrimage to get into the presence of God at the temple, they would go through, sometimes they would go through a valley of sorrow or a valley of weeping. And he said, blessed are those who go through the valley of of sorrow in pilgrimage to the presence or the temple of God. Okay, so what's he talking about here? It was a practice in the day. It was a practice of the Hebrews in the day. And you guys remember, you know, Judea is not the, the garden spot of, of the Mediterranean, right? It is, it is a lot like here, right? It is dry. It is desolate. They, have, they don't have a lot of trees. They have a lot of scrub like we do here, right? And you can imagine as those people would venture through about how difficult it might have been in those times to get there. They might go through valleys. They might go through dry and parched places as they ventured toward God, as they ventured through these places. One of the things that they would do is as they valley through a desert, they might go and dig a pool and dig a pit, or better yet, they might dig a pit and then put a, an earthen vessel in it that it might capture water. So here's the idea. Uh, to get through a desert land, the people of Israel and ancient people all over actually would take and they would dig pits so that what? When rains came, the precious little rain that there was, right? When rains came, those those pits would become pools of water. And they would do this all over a landscape so that they could travel, you know, for maybe 5, 10, 20 miles at a time or whatever it is. And they can travel from one pit that they had dug in the desert to drink from the, its water and then travel on to the next pit that they had dug to get water so that they could travel through the desert. They could travel through those dry times and still be watered by what their hands had dug. So that's the practice that he's talking about. That's what, he's, that's what he's talking about here. Blessed are those who strengthen you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of weeping or the valley of Baca or the valley of sorrow, they make it a place of springs. You see the picture? People who look to the Lord for strength, people who go into the Lord's presence for strength are like those people who pass through the desert. But in previous times, in dry times, They've gone and they've dug pits so that when they go there the next time, there's water for them, right? And, and so they go and instead of traveling through this dry and desolate land where there is no water, instead they travel from water to water, from strength to strength, he'll say here. I love this passage because here's what it tells me. Here's the things that it tells me. Here's the, the points of, of, of application. The first is, Whenever you're going through a time of sorrow, whenever you're going through a time of weeping, it's time to dig a pit. Now, what's going on in that time? Is it raining then? No, it's dry then. 
See, but when you're trusting, when you're believing in the Lord's goodness, when you're believing that he's going to, again, at some point he's going to send showers and he's going to send rain your way, you can't wait to dig the pit until it's raining, right? It's at that dry time that you've got to dig a pit and you've got to dig in. And listen, it's a statement of faith, isn't it? See, they dug pits in the middle of a wilderness, in the middle of a dry time believing in the Lord's goodness to come one day and send rain so that they could come back to it one day and they would be able to drink from it, like finding strength in the Lord. Listen, people who find strength in the Lord have learned that you dig pits even in the dry times. Let me ask you, how, how do you do that? How do you, how do you dig a pit in, in, in real life? How, what do you do? Listen, one of the very first things that we, is, that we do is this. When you're facing a difficult time in your life, when you're suffering, when you're going through discouragement, the very first thing you got to do is say, Lord, I still believe in your goodness. I still believe that at some time you're going to send blessing. Sometime I'm, there's going to be an end to the suffering I, I'm going through. At some time you're going to bring me relief. At some time you're going to send the rain again. But you got to dig that pit in the dry time. You've you got to have faith and come and believe in the Lord's goodness even in that dry time, even in that time of suffering, even in that time of sorrow, even in that time of weeping. And when you do, the promise here is that you will find strength. When you believe the Lord, when all your circumstances seem like His goodness is gone and it's all dried up and there's nothing left of God's goodness for you, that He's turned His face from you, that, that yeah, he, he does things for other people, but He doesn't do things for you because somehow you're, you're damaged goods, Right? To go and to continue to believe, Lord, I believe in your goodness. You and I find strength in the Lord in those times. Amen. That's the picture. I love it. I love it. It, it reminds me that, that it's, it's almost, it's more important in those dry times, it's more important in the drought to believe in God's goodness than it is on the, in, the, in the times of, of, just, of just drenching, you know, blessings and drenching uh, goodness of the Lord that, are, that we're receiving. It's more important in that time to believe in the Lord and to go to Him and to seek strength from Him. And the promise is those who do find strength in His, in his presence. Amen? Amen. So a couple of things. The, the, the first thing, the first slide that I missed here probably, Jason, blessed are those who journey through sorrow to God's presence. So do you get this? As they're journeying through, as they're trying to find, as they're trying to go to the temple, they pass through this valley of weeping. But they know if they pass through the valley of weeping, on the other side is the Lord's presence. So the very first thing I think that this psalm says is that they are blessed who go ahead and they, and they pass through and they go through this trial, they go through this time of sorrow, or they go through this time of weeping, knowing on the other side is the Lord and His presence and His goodness. Those people are blessed who have that kind of faith to say, I know the difficulty I'm going through now, but I know on the other side I'll see His goodness again. Amen. You know, have you known people like that? Listen, I've known... Um, I've known some people who've gone through some incredible struggle. You know, in, our, in my time here at Calvary, um, you know, we've, there are, there are, you, we rejoice in, 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 those, in the funerals that we do for folks who, man, they have lived a life well. They are ready. You know, they've lost their family members already, and they are ready to be with God in heaven. But those aren't the only kind of funerals we've done here, is it? Are they? We've done funerals for newborns. We've done funerals for young Young people, we've done funerals for young, uh, for uh, young men with children. We've done funerals for all kinds of stuff. And in all of that struggle, and all that strife, and all that struggling, one of the most powerful statements I ever heard was from a young woman who lost her husband, a young man who had two very young children. 
And she, and, and she struggled and she grieved and it was, it was incredible. It was an incredibly sorrowful, weepful time in my life and I don't want to take anything away from her from that. It was, it was powerfully bad. It, it was incredibly uh, depressing. It was a very dark time. But through all of it, very early on she told me, the Lord was preparing me for this. I, I can look back now and I can see some of the things that the Lord was doing and, and he was getting me ready for this. And I can see, and so she could see, even in this tragedy, even in, in this, in this uh, incredible uh, traumatic moment that she was going through in her life, she, she could say, but I can see his goodness still. That's powerful, isn't it? That's the kind of faith that I, I don't know about you, but you know, and here's the deal. You and I are amazed at people who have the kind of faith that God just delivers them from something, you know, that they just believe that God's going to deliver them, and he does. But what about those folks who God doesn't change the circumstances? Listen, that's the kind of story that inspires me. That's the kind of story where someone who says, I had to walk through the circumstance, but I found strength in the Lord, and I didn't doubt his goodness because why would I doubt his goodness for all that he's done for me? That's incredibly powerful, isn't it? That's an that's incredibly powerful testimony to me and inspiring to me to continue to believe in the Lord's goodness, to, to continue to believe that, yes, I'm going through the valley of sorrow, but I'm blessed because I believe that on the other side, the Lord God, I'm going to see him, I'm going to see his goodness again. I don't know if it's in this life or the next, but I believe it's coming, amen, because I believe in the Lord God and I believe in his goodness toward me. I believe that I have his favor because of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, not because of myself, but because the Lord Jesus Christ has earned it on my behalf. And the last thing here is that those who go to God in times of sorrow find strength. Listen to what it says. As they pass through the valley of Baca or the valley of weeping or the valley of sorrow, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Those who go to God in times of sorrow find strength. I want to encourage you this week. I want to encourage you even right now in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your dry time, to believe this. That on the other side of this, whether it's in this life or the next, I'm going to see the Lord's goodness again. He can't help it. It's his nature. He wants to be a good father to me. No matter what else is going on in the world, no matter what he, whatever trials or struggles he, he allows me to go through in this journey of life, no matter what they are, I'm going to see his goodness again because that's the kind of God and that's the kind of father he is. So as I've journeyed through this valley of sorrows, and, and yeah, the grief is real and the suffering is real and the tri- trials are real, true, but his goodness is bigger and better than all of it. Amen? Amen. Let's do this. I, wanna, I just want to encourage you this. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment? I want to give you a chance to respond just where you are um, with whatever's going on in your life. I just want to encourage you. I just want to speak a little truth to you this morning. The truth is this. No matter what you're going through, no matter how big it is and no matter how much pain it's caused you, no matter how many tears you've shed over it, no matter how many prayers you've, you've said that just seem like they're going unanswered, God's goodness to, toward you is bigger. Amen? His goodness toward you is even bigger. His intentions for you are still good. Amen? 
His intentions toward you are still good. He still desires to show you favor. He still desires to show you his love and his kindness. And he may have called you to walk through this valley of sorrows. He may have called you. He may have put this in front of you for you to journey through. But the idea here is on the other side, whether it's in this life or the next, you're going to see his goodness again. Amen. I just want to give you an opportunity here this morning. Just to, confess, just to confess to him. And if this is you, you just pray this prayer in your own words. But if this is true for you, you just pray this in your own words. Lord, I have let, Lord, I have let my discouragement, I have let my suffering and my trials keep me from you. And I confess that this morning. And I confess, Lord God, it's taken my desire from you, for you. Uh, Lord, it, I confess to you this morning, I've let it, I, I, I've let it just extinguish the, the, a yearning and a desire for you. But Lord, this morning, I want it back. Lord, I want to yearn for you again. I want to long for your presence. I want my, my, my soul and my body to, to long for you, Lord God, again. I want to look to you because, Lord, ultimately, I know you're my only hope. the hope that I have for a better tomorrow, the hope that I have for a better life, the hope that I have that this won't consume me, Lord God, is all found in you. So I want to invite you this morning, if you've been wandering around in the valley of sorrow, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to find your way to the Lord's presence. Even if you're not feeling it, even if you're not feeling it, even if you're not yearning, even if you don't desire it now, I just would encourage you this week, this, every day this week, to get on your knees before our great God every morning and let him remind you of his goodness. Let him remind you of his majesty. Let him remind you of your sovereignty over all. Let him remind you that his goodness toward you isn't over. Heavenly Father, Lord, I offer these up to you who you've called into struggle, who you've called into a time of sorrow. Father, we know that your purposes for those is not just to cause us to suffer. It's not just to cause us to, uh, um, to struggle. Lord, your desire through it all is to reveal more of yourself and more of your goodness to say, I am the God who gives strength to the sorrowful. I am the God who gives strength to those who need it. I am the God who gives strength and, and, and helps those who, who look to me to go through the time of suffering. Father, we thank you. We worship you this morning. We thank you. You are the great God. You are the King of kings. Your Son is the Lord of lords. There is no one above him. There is no power, that is, there is no uh, struggle that we go through that is greater than your power. There is no struggle that we go through that, that, that's a demonstration of the end of your goodness. Father, you are good and your intentions toward us are good and you are for us because of what you did through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you. We worship and praise you this morning. It's in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a a good week, a good time with the Lord and his presence this week. Amen.